That's wonderful. Go ahead and lift up those hands to the Lord and say, God, you're not finished. Come on, go ahead and put your head back and just give praise to the Lord. All across this youth convention right now, we realize you're at work, Lord Jesus. You brought us this far, Lord. You're still working in our family. You're still working in our life, Lord. Hallelujah. What a tremendous spirit of the Lord is in this Friday night service at Youth Convention. How many of you are glad Jesus Christ is here right now? Come on, do you feel that great spirit of the Lord in this house? Praise God. Now, before you go back to your seats, those of you that are up front, and then everybody in the seats as well, I wish you would turn to someone and say, I am so glad you didn't miss this service. And then once you've done that, you may make your way back toward your seats. us to just stand together as these young people and young adults make their way back to the seating area. I would like all of us to stand. Amen. What a tremendous Friday night at Youth Convention. you to look around at this crowd on Friday night. Isn't this awesome? Filling up the ballroom here in Rogers. This has been a very special few days that we have spent together here in Rogers. And I want to say before I bring our preacher to the platform, how much I appreciate the ministry. He's already left. He went back home today. But Brother Mark Brown was such a blessing to the Arkansas district. Weren't you challenged by his ministry? And then Brother Marcus Baptiste blessed us this week. Brother Baptiste, thank you for pouring out yourself to us. We're thankful you and your wife both have been here in Arkansas. And what a treat to have back in Arkansas a favorite of this youth convention. Brother James Wilson has been here. And his wife. Brother Wilson, we love you. We're thankful for you leading worship. And this band and group of singers has been awesome. Thank you all. Thank you. then I know perhaps they've already been recognized by the students but I want to say a special thank you to all of the pastors that are here all of the chaperones that are here 
all of the youth pastors and their spouses that are here, all the parents of these students that are here. Come on, students, give these ones a great thanks for supporting Holiday Youth Convention. Next Friday, Brother Nate Smith will speak to all of the district youth presidents of the United Pentecostal Church. That's a pretty special honor. That's next Friday. That'll be held in the state of Missouri. And then this next July, the close of July 2023, Brother Nate Smith will speak to the teen session at North American Youth Congress in St. Louis. That's awesome. But all of that pales in comparison to the fact that tonight he's going to preach right here in the Arkansas district. I think it is fitting tonight for us before Brother Smith comes to close out this convention to offer a thank you to Brother Mike and Sister Margie Smith, Brother Nate's mom and dad, and Travis and Rochelle, the parents of Sister Ashley. It is a special blessing to see your kids succeed. So we give honor to these parents tonight. Brother Smith is an, a man of prayer. Many times I will go to our church in Cabot and prepare for our staff meeting on Tuesday mornings and I'll find him in the prayer room calling out to the Lord for his family, obviously for the students and the young adults of the Arkansas district. He's a man of integrity. What you see is what you get. He's not two-faced. And he's a man of great passion for the kingdom of God. And I can think of no greater compliment that we could have in this holiday youth convention than to have Brother Smith preach this last night. And here's the reason why. Because the man that will preach tonight and his wife are products of the Arkansas district. They both attended our youth camps, were brought up coming to holiday youth convention, and now God has elevated them and brought them into leadership to influence an entire generation. That gives me great hope for you and what God is doing in your life. I'm ready to hear from God tonight. How many of you are ready to hear from the Lord? Would you help me welcome to this pulpit our district youth president, Nate Smith. about this moment for a long time and it is much harder than I thought it would be I am so thankful for the camp in the 90s that I went to 
in Redfield and got filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time. I'm so thankful for that night. Ashley was washing clothes in the laundry room and I passed by about 17 times to see if she would notice me. It worked. I'm so thankful for those moments. And I agree, I am a product of what we're putting on here. This is 13 years in the final chapter. And some of my greatest memories and moments and friendships are all connected to this district. And for that, I could never possibly give enough thanks. There's a whole group of men on this front row right over here that I've served with, served under, that have spoken words in due season and right time. And to each and every one of you, I wish I could call you all by name, but just know I love you. And I'm so thankful for your voice. I'm so thankful for your friendship. It was the right relationships at the right time that allowed me to have this privilege of serving. My mom and dad are here. I love them. I'm so thankful for them. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law are here. And I want to finally say just a really big thank you to Ashley and Odin and Judah and Lucas. They have... They have shared dad a lot. And for that, I could never fully thank them. But I hope, I hope to leave something in them. I won't keep you standing much longer. And I don't, none of you want to see me up here blubbering and crying and looking like I look right now. I have just a very unique opportunity. Privilege. I have a unique task in front of me because it is the final time that I'll address you as your youth president. So I don't feel like I can just do anything that I want to do. I feel like I have an assignment. And what I'll preach to you tonight has already been preached multiple times at this convention. So it's not going to be new. It's not going to be maybe, not going to be this new revelation you walk out of here and you didn't know before. But that's not my job. My job is to give you a word that was confirmed, Brother Baptiste, in the prayer room over there. I want to see you in 20 years living for God. I want to see... Should the Lord tarry, the same thing that happened to me happened to you. Your kids show up at a holiday youth convention sometime. That's what I want to see. And I hope to preach the word of the Lord that will help with that. Proverbs 23 and 23, just one verse of scripture in your hearing. Proverbs 23, verse 23. If I had to give a verse on my last night, this would be it. If I had to give a verse as my last word to you, this would be it. 
This would be the final thing that I would say to you. And it's this, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Buy the truth and sell it not. Proverbs 23, 23. At the conclusion of my message, you see across the platform, for those that registered, there's this little keychain has the Arkansas Youth logo on it. It says Proverbs 23, 23. If you registered, we'd love for you to get one. But I'm going to preach to you for the next just few moments. Buy the truth, sell it not. Would you lift your hands in the auditorium and say, that's my commitment. That's what I'll do. That's what I'm leaning to. I'm going to buy the truth and sell it. Now, come on, lift your voice one more time with me. Come on, lift your voice with me one more time. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Thank you for all the the kind things that have been said. On August 28, 2003, the man that you are about to see a picture of on the screen, this man is a man by the name of Brian Wells. Do you have that picture of Brian Wells that you could put up? Brian Wells, on August the 28th, 2003, he robbed a bank in Erie, Pennsylvania against his own will. How does somebody rob a bank and they didn't want to rob a bank? Well, the story goes that the man you see on the screen, Brian, was delivering a pizza to a residence. In, the, in a nearby, nearby neighborhood, when he was kidnapped and forced to rob the PNC Bank near his hometown of Erie. How was he forced would be the next question that I would ask. The answer to that is maniacal. It's evil. It's absolutely horrid. And I hesitated to share it with you. But the perpetrators took the man that you saw on the screen And they tied an explosive collar to his neck and forced him to rob a bank. The FBI would call this one of the most complicated and bizarre crimes in history. This maniacal, evil, wicked act took the life of the 46-year-old pizza delivery man when the collar that was attached to his neck detonated before bomb diffusers could arrive onto the scene. This is a bizarre story. In fact, it's very, very demented, and as I've said, maniacal, evil, and wicked. However, if I have ever heard a parallel of the strategy and tactic of the enemy on people right now, it is the story of Brian Wells. Because what Satan has seemed to do is capture people 
right now today and attach harmful, wicked, destructive ideals, thoughts, and beliefs with the goal of destructive detonation. Souls are being held hostage right now in your town, in your school, in your family by sin and wickedness and the agenda of the Antichrist. Deception and lies, evil and sin are being attached to people. False narratives, half-truths, opinions, hurts, weights, bondage have created anxiousness, moral corrosion, chaos, and pain. And it has enslaved by the adversary, have people accomplishing what he wants them to do. See, people, right now, today, if I've ever heard a parallel, it's this one. People have been strapped with deception. It's like a person with a bomb strapped on them and the end result is deadly. People have bought ideology and ideas and they have no idea where it's gonna take them. They walk around ready, as you and I well know, to be outraged, explode, to detonate. It is the agenda of the last days. You hear me right now, deception is the strongest weapon of the end times. I'm gonna say it again so it gets clear in your spirit. Deception is the strongest weapon of the times in which we live in right now. Wickedness has attached itself to people. But remember, we are not fighting flesh and blood. So for us right now, we've got to get it out of our mind that we are fighting people. You are not fighting your neighbor. You are not fighting your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad. You are not fighting a person. But you, in this hour, right now, are fighting against the spirit of Antichrist. And deception is his number one tactic right now. People are carrying around ideology, baggage, weights. They're carrying around outrage. They were never intended to carry the things they're carrying. You and I both know somebody ready to explode right now. They're carrying around these low self-esteem, hopelessness, anger, stress. People all around us have fear and selfishness, hurts. Not knowing the sin and destruction that's lying at the door. The destruction and explosive nature of what has attached itself to them. And we need an answer. We need an answer right now. Listen, we, we, have, we all have people. We all know people. Something has attached itself to them and it ain't right. And we... Ladies and gentlemen, over the course of this conference, you've heard, you've heard point after point. You've heard commission after commission. We need an answer. So ladies and gentlemen, let me produce and show you from the word of God the answer for today. John 8, verse number 31. And Jesus 
said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are disciples indeed. And watch what verse 32 says. And you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you I need a little more help than what I'm getting at the moment. It's the truth that's going to set them free. It's the truth that's going to walk right into their lives, tear down every lie, deception, chaos, and sin, and set them free. I'm here to preach to you that people need hope, they need help, and they need freedom. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, people are starving for truth. See, what is it? What is it, Brother Shelton? What is it that's going to set the addictions free? What is it that's going to set the gender the gender distraction, the gender dysphoria, the gender identity confusion free? What is it that's going to lose strongholds that lie over people's life? What is it that the searching soul is going to find that they need? What is it that's going to bring peace to the anxious and to the depressed? I'll tell you exactly what it is, and it's very simple. It's the truth. Come on, if you're waiting for a better point, there's not one. So you might as well just grab a hold of what's in front of you. It's the truth that's going to set someone free. It's the truth that's going to endure to every generation. It's the truth. You know what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen? I don't mean this in any, any way shape, form, or fashion, I'm not taking a shot at anybody, and I certainly wouldn't want to cause any confusion or chaos. But when they dig us up in a hundred years, when they get your bones and they dig them up in a hundred years, they're going to know if you were male or female. And you want to know why that is? Because his truth will endure to every generation. There's not a generation that's going to come up with another idea or a different philosophy or another thing that's going to outlive or outweigh or outtake the truth. No, sir. No, ma'am. The truth is going to endure to every single generation. How God made us will endure today, tomorrow, and in the future. You hear me right now. His truth is the answer that we need right now. But may it be said, not of us, that we have the truth, but we didn't know it. This gospel be hid, it be hid to them that are lost. May it be said, may it never ever be said of the people of God that we don't know truth. See, here's, here's the reason I preach this verse to you tonight. 
here's the reason I come to this pulpit and I preach to you just a very clear message on the truth. Here's the reason I do that tonight. Because I've preached for the last few moments about the tactic in the enemy, uh, what he's using on people right now, and I've tried my best to demonstrate what's happening in the lives of people that you're dealing with and tell you that the truth is the answer. But you listen to me right now. You cannot give somebody something that you don't have. I'll say it again. You cannot give somebody something that you do not have yourself. So if you do not have this truth, if you don't have a grip on this truth, you cannot hand it off to somebody that's in need. So it is time that we get the truth, that we learn the truth. See, here's, the, you want to know what? We live, we live in a society right now, we live in a society of weakly formed, strongly held opinions. We live in a world with weakly formed, but yet strongly held opinions. I wonder what such and such said about this issue in life. I wonder what they believe. I wonder when I follow such and such on Instagram or such and such over here, I wonder what they believe. And we live in a world where people take their cues, their ideology, their opinions, and form them based on other people's ideas of what goes on in the world and how the world works. And we live in a world of weakly formed and strongly held opinions. But I'm here because I am so tired of catchy, rhyming theology or inspirational quotes. I know, I know, listen. <laughs> Not everything that rhymes is true. I didn't get a lot of response on that one. I don't care who put it on Instagram. I don't care who put it out for you to read. I don't care how good the theology sounds or how catchy it is or, oh, that made me feel one type of way. Listen, not everything that rhymes or has a cute little phrase or all ties up at the end of the sentence is true apostolic doctrine and theology. Not everything like that lines up with this book. So you better be careful what type of truth you're buying. You better be careful what type of truth you're consuming. You better be careful what type of thing you're ingesting. Because not everything they're putting out is right. Not everything, not every truth can fit in 140 characters. I am, I am so tired of political pundits and spinning headlines and rhyming theology and I, I get it we got to be memorable and noteworthy but not at the expense of depth and not at the expense of truth listen you hear me 
There are some truths that will take you years to discover. There are some truths that will take you years to dig in your Bible, to fast and pray and get a grip on. There are things, oh, this isn't popular because we sure would like something to happen right now in front of us. And I wish the preacher would say something that made me a little more happy. Well, what you got is somebody that's being real. There's some things, there's 100, there's 1,189 chapters in this book and you won't know them by tomorrow. I wasn't even, this isn't even in my notes, wasn't even gonna go on it. But listen, time, time, I spent all year preaching at different rallies. Time is the avenue to which God has given us to get closer to Him. Time is the avenue to which God allows us the opportunity to disciple, get closer to Him, spend time in prayer. But if you spend so much time contradicting the things of God and buying something else, you will not have the capacity to buy the truth. See, here's what I've learned. And I learned it from, from the verse that was on the screen, Proverbs 23, 23. The truth has got to be bought. Now, you're probably looking at me thinking like, uh, well, that kind of contradicts. Didn't Jesus do all of that? Doesn't that, you're probably looking at me thinking that's, that's a little... I'm not trying to cross theological swords with anybody, but you hear me. Salvation is free. You know, we had over 30 people get filled with the Holy Ghost this morning in this room. that came up to this platform, came around here. We had 30 people. I don't know all their backgrounds. I don't know what home life they come from. I don't know if they deserve it or not, but I know the goodness and the mercy of God came along, filled them with the Holy Ghost this morning. I watched them speak with other tongues as their hands were raised. I watched them get baptized in the Spirit. Because listen, salvation is free. It's available to every person in this room right now. But truth has a price. Truth has a price attached to it. See, truth, truth is the eternal plan of God, the faithful, reliable, divine instruction. It is the timeless, supreme principles of Scripture. Truth, ladies and gentlemen, cannot be bought in just a moment. I said it a few nights ago, and I'm, I'm all over the place. I said it a few nights ago. We have relegated sacrifice to a moment. And you listen to me. We are in danger when we label sacrifice as only a single moment. No, no, sir, no, ma'am. Sacrifice is a living thing. Sacrifice is a day-in, day-out thing. Sacrifice is being willing to tell yourself no every single day of your life. Sacrifice is getting up in the morning and praying and reading your Bible. Sacrifice is fast day after fast day after fast day and offering after offering after offering. Ladies and gentlemen, that, that's sacrifice. And that's how you buy the truth. 
the people of God ought to cultivate strong convictions built on timeless truths. You hear me? The truth is the truth whether you cherish it or not. That's why it said this, John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall, and we always quote the second part, we never get the first part. And you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. We love that part. But you know right before that he said, if you continue in my word, which sure means you, you've got to stop continuing in some other things so that you can start continuing in his word so that you can know the truth, so that you can buy the truth. Now, I thank God. You can be seated. I thank God. I thank God for what's happened over the last few days at this youth retreat. And here's why. We have, for the last few days, heard from this pulpit message after message and moment after moment on doctrine. And I know, I've been a part of a lot of them, so this statement is more directed at me than it is directed at anybody else. But I've been to a lot of youth conventions, I've been to a lot of meetings, and doctrine was not mentioned one time. Now that is not a slam or attack or that is not meant to be taken any type of way. I come thankful that you and I got to be in a meeting where doctrine was preached to us. So allow me to continue in that vein for a moment. Because if you're going to buy the truth, you got to know some truths to buy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Come on, you've heard it three or four times. I hope you hadn't got over it yet. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Because the Old Testament emphatically states that there is one God and there's nobody beside him. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness because it was God who was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. I'm not ashamed, not embarrassed. I get it. We are oneness, and we are thankful for it. You better believe that makes us a little bit different than other churches and other groups. But I'm not backing down on Revelation. I bought the truth. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Come on, I bought this truth. You know why? Because knowing that God is one teaches me who I worship. 
And if God is one, it teaches me about salvation because I know his name. So when I get baptized, I get baptized in that name because God is one. And I bought it. I'm so thankful for what happened here this morning. I'm so thankful for the people that were filled with the Holy Ghost. If you have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, it is the greatest experience you will ever have in your life. And there is a truth of scripture, ladies and gentlemen, about how we ought to be born again. You see, salvation comes by grace through faith that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. The application of that grace and expression of faith is found when we follow and obey the gospel. When we repent and are baptized and buried with him in baptism and we're made alive by the power of the Holy Ghost, initially evidenced by speaking. Come on, this is a truth that we bought. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every, man, I hope you're not over Acts 2.38. I stood right there. I stood right there and watched a boy named Ethan today lift his hands. And for the first time, the Spirit of God came inside of him. And he began to speak with another tongue as the Spirit gave him utterance. And I thought again, isn't this wonderful? We are, as my pastor said, Pentecostal in experience, but apostolic in lifestyle. That is who we are and how we live. We must be born again. It's doctrine and it matters. I know there were probably some people offended maybe that what happened on Wednesday night when Brother Brown stood up here and for a few minutes preached on holiness. But he read a verse, and I'm going to read it to you again. 1 Peter 1. But as he, 15, verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all. Your conduct, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Let me, let me help you for a moment. You know which, which parts of Holiness matter. All of them. Listen for a moment. I know, I know. I was raised in a United Pentecostal church. And my entire life, my entire life, without exception, I have always heard them called holiness standards. Every, every time it was referenced or somebody would talk about it in my, uh, my growing up. And I don't have a problem with the term holiness standard. I don't have a problem with setting a barrier or setting a boundary and saying, I will not cross this because I've set myself a commitment before God and I'm going to do this. So again, what I'm about to say, I'm not contradicting anybody. I believe in holiness standards. But you want to know the ultimate reality of holiness? It's a truth. 
and truths have to be bought. For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. Let me read to you a passage in 2 Corinthians that, in my opinion, sums up holiness and how we ought to approach it. 2 Corinthians, verse number 6. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And watch. You ready? Now listen, that's a long list. But watch what he says. And I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty, I could not think of a better reason to be holy. But really, you know, it's really good in your Bible if you just keep reading. It's good practice. So turn the page and go to 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. You ready? Having therefore these promises... Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You want to know why I dress the way that I dress? You want to know why I talk the way that I talk? You want to know why that I act the way that I act? And this one, I'm going to go there because it's been a problem all week and I'm still youth president at the moment. You want to know why I don't airdrop inappropriate things across a mass audience of people? Still youth president, so. It's because I've got promises on my life to be his son and his daughter. And I ought not to live or act in a way that would remove those promises. So yes, I will study about hair to learn what it means in 1 Corinthians 11. Yes, I will study about apparel and understand why my clothes matter. Yes, I'll read and understand why my words matter. Because I've got promises. Finally, a truth that you and I have to buy. Pastor Gaddy mentioned it a moment in his session. It's mission and it's ministry. Listen, we are not like everybody else. 
I'm not taking shots. I'm not being demoralizing. Please forgive my tone if it sounds harsh. I don't mean that. But we are kingdom-minded people. That was such a good statement. You know what? You can be so... <laughs> this is one of those things that just came in my head and, the, and I was like, do you really want me to say that? And he was like, yeah, I do. We can be so politically minded that we are of no kingdom good. And you can be so entertainment minded that you are of no kingdom good let it not be said of the people of God that we're swapping stories about the Netflix series let it not be said of the people of God that we're swapping stories about the latest fashion trends celebrity or any other thing that culture is throwing our way but let it be said of us that we are people that share the truth to set someone free. You ought to have it in your mind that the gifts of the Spirit be operating in your life. And you have it, ought to have it in your mind that the gifts of the Spirit ought to flow through the fruit of the Spirit. We're apostolic. Which means we're not picking either the gifts of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit. They both work together. So you and I ought to walk into our school, our job. We ought to walk into other places with family that maybe don't believe like you are and carry a little peace and a little joy with you. You ought to carry a little long suffering with you. You ought to carry a little fruit of the Spirit and watch how the gifts of the Spirit will flow through that compassion Because we're not like everybody else. We bought the truth that we're on a mission. You could be seated. I love Redfield. I love the campground. Like anybody else that just loves going to Redfield in the summer. I know. There's not a lot going on. Not a lot of extra things, but boy, the power of God I've experienced in that tabernacle, the people I've got to be around, the things I've got to see, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And in Redfield, I've mentioned this the last time I preached on this stage, and maybe it's just something the Lord wants me to do to remind us. Redfield, there is a history museum located in the prayer room. And there's this look back on the history of the United Pentecostal Church in Arkansas over the years. There's other broader things that are in the museum. There's other things you can go and explore. But there's this, this room, and it has all these, these pictures, and it has all these awards, and it has all the, like these letters that were written, and all these type of very fascinating things about where we came from. A few weeks ago, beginning of December, I was there. I was in Redfield, and I just so happened to be in the prayer chapel, and I walked into the History Museum. And on the right-hand side, 
is this poster. Can you put that picture up on the screen? Now, I would say, unless you're doing that style, we've done a little bit different with graphic design over the years. This is youth camp. And I looked around and I couldn't necessarily find the year. I just know that this was youth camp, June 22nd through 26th. And it's got some rules on there. Yeah, you got to have rules at camp. I'm sorry. It's got rules on the picture. And it's got the address and a little bit of detail about the information that's on it. But as I was sitting looking at this and I looked at those, I think the people in the middle, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think those are the directors at camp. And I thought, I look a lot older than those guys. Look at that hair. But it really wasn't the people in the middle and the leaders that really caught my attention on that day. It really wasn't the... It really wasn't the details or the rules, although that was interesting to me. It was, if you're looking at this photo that's on the screen, it's the left-hand column of pictures from top to bottom. That was by far the most interesting part of this photo to me. Because if you were able to zoom in on the photo and you were able to get closer and see what's on there, underneath those pictures is the name of the individual that is above it. And underneath that is the title of the subject that they would teach at camp. You see, it was apparently at this time and this juncture, apparently it was commonplace for the committee and the leadership to appoint and arrange that certain things would be instructed and taught at the camp. What they would do is they would assign topics based on the Word of God and intentionally teach and train young people with the Word of God. See, on that list is Old Testament history. On that list is Bible characters. On that list, if you're able to zoom in, it would teach you and show you about Pentecostal doctrine. And I looked at that, and I looked at each of those pictures and those people, and I don't, I know C.M. Becton's on there, and there were some of the other names that I didn't recognize, but as I sat and perused that picture and looked up and down, and thought about my role and place that God allowed me to have for just a few short years for this wonderful group of people. You know the thing that hit me, that jumped out to me, or I feel like the Spirit spoke to me? It's this. This is where we came from. Listen, we didn't just roll up into HYC. Only, like, we've not always been here having youth convention in this ballroom. I don't know if you realize that or not. We've not always been at the embassy. We've not always had camp in Redfield. We've not always had the things that we had. But there was a generation that we stand on right now 
that thought it was important enough and thought it was valuable enough to take time and say, I'm going to take a young person and I'm going to teach and train them and equip them with doctrine. Because they're going to walk out. There's another one of those at the bottom that says competing doctrines. They thought, they thought it was worthwhile. Listen, I love a lot of the extra stuff that we do at camp. And I'm certainly not saying, guys, you got to go back to doing that. Don't, don't mistake me. But you hear me when I saw that, that convicted me and stirred me up so bad. That moved in my heart so bad. That stirred something up in me to say, we've got to start training apostolic young people to know the truth. You can't buy something you don't know. You can't buy something you hadn't invested yourself in. You can't buy something. We're not going to abandon something that we were built upon. We can't stray from the very things that were the foundation of what got us here. But we're going to build this on the Word of God and teaching people the truth. 31 times in the New Testament, doctrine is referenced. 13 of those 31 references happen in Paul's letter to a young minister named Timothy. You hear me, youth and young adults. It is so vital that you learn the doctrine. Let me tell you why. You can be seated. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Let me tell you why this matters. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 10. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of them own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good having a form of godliness, but denying the power of. From such, turn away. How many of you know that's today? For this sort that creep into houses and lead captive, silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs was also. But thou hast fully known my doctrine and manner of life and purpose and faith and long-suffering, charity and patience. Janice and Jambres are people that represent the last day lifestyles that withstood Moses, which represents the truth. Janice and Jambres were the magicians that defied Moses whenever they came before Pharaoh. They were the ones that were able to take and throw down their rods and duplicate some of the miracles that Moses and Aaron were able to do in front of them. They were the ones that stood there and seemed like they had the power and seemed like they had the same equal thing that Moses had. Janice and Jambres tried to disprove God and prove themselves 
in the process. They tried to prove, listen to me. They tried to prove they were the same. They presented a truth in order to discredit the truth. So listen, we are so distracted by truths that we neglect the truth. You know that little girl that came in, in the book of Acts and she was saying and proclaiming Paul and, and, and Paul eventually got tired of her and cast the demon out of her. But everything that she was saying out of her mouth was true. These are the servants of the Most High God. Everything she uttered was true. The problem was it wasn't from the source of truth. So I don't care how true it sounds. If it doesn't come from the source of truth, then it is not the truth. We can be so obsessed with the truth. And listen, society is pulling at us so hard to believe truths, but I'm here to rise on this saying that there will be nothing that neutralizes the truth but that we, as they withstand us, it's gonna be the truth that endures. It's gonna be the truth that stands tall. They can have a form of godliness, but they can't deny this power that we have. They can't deny this truth that we have. Truth is a lifestyle that you've got to buy. All of us know, all of us, every, every Christian knows. Everyone knows truth, it costs. Listen, it's so easy. It's so easy. Buy the truth, sell it not. It's so easy to sell something that you didn't really pay a price for. It's so easy to trade off something that you really didn't invest yourself in. It's so easy to trade, sell, get rid of. As Brother Brown stood up here and talked about holiness and traded it off, it's easy to trade in holiness if you've not invested yourself into learning what holiness is. It's easy to sell it. It's easy to trade it in. It's easy, but listen, ask Stephen if this thing costs. Ask Paul if this thing has a price tag on it. Ask the rich young ruler if there's a truth here, if there's a truth that costs. Ask Judas if there's a price. Ask Demas what it took to sell. Ask Peter what truth cost him. Ask Herod if that dance was worth it. Ask Esau if that soup tastes good now. Buy the truth and sell it not. It's not worth a girlfriend. It's not worth a boyfriend. I don't care how bad somebody in the church hurts you. It's not worth selling for that. 
It's not worth trading in a doctrine for an opinion. It's not worth trading in the truth for a feeling. It's not worth trading in the truth for a moment. The greatest enemy of the last days is deception. And I'm here to tell you what I believe in 2 Thessalonians 2 is because they fell away because they received not a love for the truth. And maybe, maybe they didn't love it because they never learned it. Listen, I know this is simple. I, I know I'm, I'm issuing a challenge. I get that. I just feel like it's my job on this last night, the last time I have the opportunity to do this, to preach to the future you. I love the you at convention. But I love so much more the you three months from now. And when I was praying about this, Pastor, the you in 10 years, <laughs> when you've got kids, there's more at stake then. I love that guy. I love that lady. I love that enough to tell you you're going to be offered so many things to sell this. You're going to be given so many opportunities to trade this in. And listen, it won't come. It won't come all at once. It'll come moment by moment. And you'll be offered things and times to trade this in. But I felt led of the Holy Ghost to preach to you one last time to buy it and never sell it for anything. Odin, Judah, come here. Come here, guys. You can stand with me. Come on, guys, come over here. You're pretty handsome, right? I love my boys, and I appreciate many of you and how kind you've been to them, because they didn't ask for this. And truthfully, I, don't, I mean, maybe I did, I don't know. They didn't ask for this. But listen, here's the reason Here's the reason that I preach this tonight. Because what I have done my best to do for you 
you. You will now do for them. I don't think I, I don't think I'll stand up here and preach to you again. I don't I don't know if it'll ever happen. I, I don't I don't know. I certainly won't ever worship lead. Don't ever ask that. I won't I won't get to decide speakers or layout. I won't get to decide any of it. I won't. I move on. And I'm not preaching. Maybe I am preaching to the next youth president in this room. I know. And the next, the, the one after that and the one after that. I know I'm doing that. So that's why I brought them up here. To show you why it matters that you buy this. Don't you dare start living in a way of something they don't want to buy. Don't you dare start walking in a path that they don't want to have for themselves. I know their heroes are going to be sitting out here in this room because they're going to be sitting where you are and you might be up here or you might be walking around the halls of this convention. So you hear me. This is why this matters. Because, but Psalm 100, verse number five up on the screen. This is why this matters to me, and I want it to matter to you. For the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth. It endures to every generation. Listen, I do not have a question about his truth enduring. I do not care who is in the White House. I do not care what Congress does. I don't care what celebrities say. I don't care what culture would try and ram down our throats or even maybe how all of this is going to wind up and end. You know why? Because his truth will endure to all generations. So my question is not about truth. Truth will endure. My question is, will you? I'm not worried about your prayer or, I mean, I'm not worried about how passionately you pray. Thank you guys. You guys go be seated. I'm not worried about how passionate it is that you pray. I'm not, I'm not worried about your sincerity. I'm not worried about your pursuit and giftings and prophetic anointing. My question is, what would it take for you to sell it? My question is, how easily could you be persuaded? What would it take huh, 
for you not to believe this anymore. What, how easily could media or Hollywood or clever theories persuade you? How, what unmet expectation, hurt or failure would it take for you to leave a part or maybe all of it behind? What would it take? I'm not. I'm not worried about the truth enduring. My question is for you. Will you? I want to see you. I want to hug your neck in 10 years at this youth convention. And you look at me and say, I'm still living it. I want to hug your neck and pat your kids on the back. And my God, I hope, I hope I've still got this too. So here's my final words to a generation of young people. And I'll let you have it. I'll let you seek God and make your own commitments. I have prayed. I have prayed. I, I sincerely have prayed, Brother Baptiste. You said it in the prayer room. I have sincerely prayed over this moment that it would be a trajectory-changing moment for you, that you would look back in 10 years from now, not because I preached, but because you made a decision to live this forever. So my, my final words in this moment By the truth and never sell it. Can you lift your hands? Mm-hmm.